Lord, we praise you. Your word says it, it is for freedom that you have set us free. So we are free this morning to worship you in spirit and truth. God, we are free to approach your throne with boldness by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, as we hear from your word today, let that be on the forefront of our minds. May we not go a moment without remembering what Jesus has done, what you have done, Lord, on the cross and what that means for our lives now. Thank you, Lord. Give us ears to hear you today and soft hearts to receive your message. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How are you today? Tickety-boo. How are you today? Tickety-boo. Tickety-boo. Thank you. Tickety-boo. What does the Lord want you to do? So if you're staying home for a medical reason, we uh, understand. Obviously, uh, I'm not that nuts about, about st stuff, but if you're staying home from church because of uh, you got into a COVID rut, come on back. We're here. There's lots of seats for you. We miss you. And uh, I, I understand that, that it'll take time to process some things, but uh, we, uh, we miss you. We hope you'll come back. But keep watching. Keep watching. We just wish uh, we could connect with you better than that TV. All right. So uh, no disrespect to uh, Andy Bob. You know, he's young, technical guy and all those things. Now, I, I talked last week about the mark of the beast, and I shared with you that I didn't think it was the vaccine for some reasons that we see that the mark of the beast is going to accompany the Antichrist and some of those issues that are going to be present when the Antichrist is in place are not there now. It could rapidly come together. But I'm not so sure about that QR code. <laughs> now, no one has told me what Q means or what R means. There might be something really fishy with that. And frankly, all those black squares look the same. You know, you go to a restaurant now, and to see the menu, you got to do the QR code. There's something really, really evil with that. So how does each one of those boxes look the same, but they take you different places? That's really strange. So, I think we should avoid the QR code. <laughs> I'm against it. All right, just kidding. Looks like it's here to stay. All right, John chapter 8. If you're keeping score, we're going to talk about grace for a while. Been kind of talking about it, but we're going to talk about grace. We'll talk about grace next week with the, the idea that uh, we are forgiven of all our sins. And we will participate in the Lord's Supper next week. When you come in, we are going to, during the COVID time, we bought some of those little uh, self-contained things that everybody hates, but we're going to use it because we got them. No sense in losing that money. And so we'll do that next week. And then, of course, we have Easter Sunday coming on uh, another two weeks. And so we'll talk about the grace that, that we experienced because of the risen Lord. And then... Uh, Lord willing, we'll talk next week about the forgiveness of sin. I 
Today, I want to talk about the difference or the collision between religion and grace from John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, we're primarily going to look at verses 2 through 11, but uh, in your Bible, in parentheses, right before verse uh, 53 of chapter 7, you see the earliest manuscripts do not include 7, 50, 7, chapter 7, verse 53 through uh, John chapter 8, verse 11. Okay. Why is that in there? What's going on there? So how the Bible was printed in 150 AD, right, is you had these guys that would sit down and, and they would write out the Scripture. You had a master copy, and typically the master copy would be the most reliable manuscript they had or they thought they had or however it happened, and it would be positioned, and they would just literally copy those words. Well, Roman, uh, I'm stuck on Romans, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, uh, one of the explanations for it wasn't included in Scripture for a while because it wasn't in the most reliable manuscripts, right? And why this parenthesis is here is that the people that were doing that had trouble with this story. And the trouble they have with this story is, is that Jesus seems to be too soft on adultery. Right? And I mean, you can't have a soft Jesus on adultery because if people that read the Bible and, and uh, are Christian and followers... If they think Jesus is soft on adultery, then people are going to be having all kinds of adultery. You know, it, it, but when I read the story, I go, no, nah, you just had a problem with grace. That Jesus is not soft on adultery, and he wasn't soft on this lady that was caught in the act of adultery. But uh, people then and people now just like we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, we have all sinned. We all have sinned. We have that in common. We also have in common that we struggle with grace. We struggle with some aspect of grace. And here is a good exp uh, an example of that, that they struggled with grace. So... This story will help us see how powerful grace is, how wonderful grace is. And this story might be one of the stories that uh, we have trouble with grace with. Complete forgiveness, total forgiveness, absolute justification. We are made right with God through what Jesus did on a cross because of His grace. For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. You mean all you have to do is believe and you have eternal life? Yes. Yes. For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. You mean there's nothing I can do to earn this salvation? No. There's nothing I can do to earn a right standing with Him? No. There's nothing you can do. You mean there's... There's, I, surely I've got to do something. Surely I've got to become more. No, that's religion. Religion says that you need to become better. You need to do more. You need to be more perfect. 
And, and religion, the, that's what happens. And, and religion is a huge burden that's put on people because we can never, ever do enough. We've seen in, in the scriptures that we've been looking at the last several weeks that none of us can ever do enough that we have kept the law so, so well that at some point we're going to say, man, you've been good for a long time. You're good enough. Come on in. You've, you've earned enough green stamps. Remember green stamps? You know, you've earned enough green stamps. You can go to the store and get whatever you need, that pot or pan, whatever it was. You've earned enough points. You've earned enough stars. You have enough stars on your chart. You're in good shape. I mean, we never thought you would ever get to a score of 1,500. But now that you have a score of 1,500, then you have earned salvation. That's religion. Because we understand that none of us can keep the law. And the law is not fully satisfied. The requirements of the law are not fully satisfied through our effort. John chapter 3, Jesus clearly shows us through the story of being born again that, that we can do nothing apart from the Spirit. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot earn that salvation. We cannot work hard enough. We must be Save through grace. That's the only way to be right with God. In this grace that He does for us. So, we always have a little trouble with grace. We have trouble with total grace, complete grace. I mean, we ought to have to do something. We have trouble when we're unable to forgive ourselves. We have trouble with grace. I mean, sure, I mean, I, I know myself. I, 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 I don't like myself. I, I know my problems, my failures, my sins. I mean, I, I don't get it that he would, he would accept me just as I am. Well, yep, he does. It's called grace. So, if you have trouble with grace, this is, this is either a good story or not so good story. It depends on where you sit. It says in verse 2, Early in the morning... He came again to the temple. So in verse 1, they all went home from the Mount of Olives after there was great division because of the hard teachings that Jesus was giving. Many decided not to follow Him, and they went on home. And it says here, early in the morning, He came again to the temple. So it's early in the morning. He goes to the temple. So from our way of thinking, He went to the early church. You know, that's where He went. He went to early church and he went to the temple and people came to him and he sat down and taught them. So he's, he's holding court. He's holding church. They're having a church service there early in the morning at the, te- at the temple and people have gathered. Verse 3, The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Caught in the very act and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. And sure enough, in Deuteronomy, it says that if, if a man and a woman are found to be an adulterous relationship, they are to be stoned. Both of them are to be stoned. And there's also a law about who can accuse them. You just can't have one. You've got to have some evidence but they're stoned. Leviticus teaches us the same thing. It was the law that people had put together, not part of the Ten Commandments, 
but the law that was passed around, and it was the law of Moses. And so um, it's very interesting in this story uh, to try to understand why in the world did they choose this particular occasion. Well, I think we all know it. It answers it for us to find him uh, in a trap of some way or another. It says, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Verse 6, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. So here's, his, here's the dilemma that they put Jesus in. If he says, stone her, he's in trouble with the Romans because he's violating uh, the Roman law. He, the Jewish people, did not have the authority under the Roman occupation, the Roman law, to, to uh, order an execution. So there, they had to get the Romans' permission for any death sentence. That's why you have in the trial of Jesus the go back and forth between the Roman authority and the Jewish authority. Because... The Rome would say, no, no, we, we're, we are the ones that uh, sign off on any death of, of, a, of a lawbreaker. And he was also between a rock and a hard place with the Jewish people because if he said, don't stone her, then he's in trouble with the Jewish law. And so they, they believed, these Sadducees and Pharisees, they believed they had Jesus. So that's why they made such a spectacle of it. Can you imagine being at church and religious people bring in a woman who was caught in adultery? And they bring her in and they say to all of us, we, 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 we took her out of the bedroom. Here she is. You know, we're, let's, let's kill her. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? But boy, they hated Jesus so much that they were willing to break any laws. They were willing to break every social etiquette. They were, they were willing uh, to put themselves in a difficult place at the temple because they hated Jesus so much. When, when people hate, they are liable to do all kinds of things. So they, that's why they brought her the temple. Now, I, there's all kinds of questions here that you might have about this story. Where's the man at? Right? I mean, he's somewhere and he was involved. Where's he at? Why did he get a pass? It makes me think, wonder if uh, he was part of a setup. I, I wonder if... Uh, he hated Jesus so much, and he was part of this group, and he said, hey guys, I'm meeting my girlfriend this afternoon, and uh, y'all barge in and take her. Let's, let's, uh, let's put him between a rock and a hard place. Maybe. But where is the man? There's no reference to the man. They didn't bring the man before Jesus. He was not mentioned. He was not part of the situation. And, and so the setup was to set up Jesus. It was a setup to set up. So maybe this is a story of two setups. They set the lady up, and then they're trying to set Jesus up. 
And so, um, very, very curious to me about where did that man go and why is he not part of the story? Seems like he would be. It seems like if they're really concerned with someone committing the sin of adultery, they'd bring the man in with him, with the lady, but they didn't. Now, when, the, when they come before him and say, the law of Moses says for us to stone anyone caught in the act of adultery or any adulterer must be stoned. Now, what do you say about this? And they said that to test him. Now, the scripture here says that Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. He wrote now and he writes again. He, so he, he bends down, writes on the ground something, and then he stands back up and he addresses the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And after he addressed them, he nailed back down and he wrote again. What did he write? It's a good question, isn't it? We don't know what he wrote. Nobody knows. They didn't say. Uh, did he write the Ten Commandments? I wonder if he wrote the Ten Commandments. I wonder if Jesus wrote down these, these fellows' personal sin. I wonder if that's what he did. I wonder if he wrote down a list of names of their girlfriends. I wonder if that's what he did. We don't know. We don't know what he wrote. And it says there in verse 7, And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, and so he's down on the ground writing, and they're just absolutely just wearing him out with it, bombarding him with all these, you know, what do you say, what do you say, what do you say? But you're going to answer the question. Why won't you answer the question? We've asked a question, why won't you answer it? And he stood up, and he said in verse 7, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Boy, that's, there, there was only one way to get out of that setup between the rock and the hard place. What a response. Which one of you is without sin? Go ahead and throw a stone at her. So he didn't say not to stone her, and he didn't say stone her. He said, if any of you guys have never sinned, you go ahead and throw that stone. Now, this ought to be a question we all live by. When, when you begin to pick up stones and you begin to, to carry more stones than your pockets can handle and you're just looking for opportunities to throw those stones at a sinner, judging, condemning, some hypercritical eye that you would have for someone? Are you without sin? No. That, so we don't have any right to carry around rocks to throw. We don't even have the right to pick up a rock. We do not have the right to judge people because we've all sinned. Only Jesus is the good judge because he was perfect. And so, which one of them was without sin that they could throw the stone? Well, at once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. Once again, we don't know what he said. But when they heard it, when they heard what? 
Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. They went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. So the older ones got it quicker. You know, the older ones saw it and went, oh man, I can just go, got a big, nice rock that you can chunk good. He's holding it in his hand and goes, can't wait, can't wait to stone this lady. And he's ready and, and they he hear that old guy hears the words, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And he just melted and just dropped the stone. And he walked away. And then the younger ones that saw him walk away, ah, where you going, Bill? Where you, hey, you know, Rufus, where are you headed? Good Jewish name, Rufus. Where are you headed? And they just head down and walk away. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Where are they? Where are the accusers? Where are the condemners? And she, she said, No one, Lord. No one, Lord. Now this is quite a deal. Verse 10 may be a good brief summary of the salvation event that people have, that we have had when we believed in Christ. It's almost as if, if Jesus is saying to her, Where are your accusers? Where is the condemning for you? There's no one to condemn you, Lord. Ah, no one, Lord. She recognized Jesus as Lord. And Jesus said, and this is the part that many people thought he was too soft at, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now that... That's not soft. Neither do I condemn you. You're forgiven. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't say, I don't believe the adultery story. I don't believe that. That's, he knows. He, he can read her mind. He knows her past. He knows this lady. He just may, may, he'd never crossed paths with her before, but Jesus knew their heart. Neither do I condemn you. Now, we must realize that because we have been forgiven of our sin, that neither does Jesus condemn us. So don't condemn yourself. Don't beat yourself up. That's one of the great lessons of the story. If you beat yourself up, you're unworthy, you're no good, you, you're past, you're, God can't use you, God can't save you, God won't forgive you because of the mistakes you made, because of the sin of your past, because of all this stuff, you, you need to quit that. Because that is not honoring God. See, what we do when, when we question that He doesn't condemn us, and because we reason it out, we think that out, we say, surely He should condemn me for my past, for my sin, for what I've done. You know, surely He should. But if Jesus said to this lady, neither do I, 
then when we come to Christ and we say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin, the Bible tells us that Jesus is just and He is good and righteous and He will forgive us of our sin and all unrighteousness. So don't beat yourself up. That's a good lesson from this story. Accept grace. Religion is, you know, admit you're a sinner, agree with it, straighten up, and you won't be condemned. Grace says, I forgive you, and I will change you. That's what grace is. And there's another lesson in this story. And, and, I, sh- and you're, I know you're the wrong group to share this with, but maybe you can share it with another group, another person who goes through this because you're here. You know, here's the deal. If you focus on the scribes and the Pharisees from this story, if that's what you focus on, if that's what you dwell on, man, first of all, you miss something really beautiful but you're really missing the whole point of the story and what happened here. But if you just focus on the Pharisees and the Sadducees, never go to church again. Never consider it again. Get it? I mean, if you dwell on hypocrisy of Christian people, if you, do, if you dwell on hypocrisy of lukewarm Christian people, if you dwell on the hypocrisy of people who aren't God's people but claim they are. And, and they're under this religious web, this religious control, and, 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 and they're unkind, and they're angry, and they're always pointing figures, they're always condemning and judging, and, and you've had enough of those kind of people, so you're never ever going to go to church. You're never going to uh, give Jesus a chance. I mean, Wow. Look what you miss if that's your position. I mean, I, I always want to say to people that have that, that angst, first of all, if anybody uh, could have dwelt on what people do or don't do, the hypocrisy of people, it's me. Been around the church deal for a long, long time. Seen all kinds of stuff. Seen, seen some of the best of things and seen some of the worst of things in the name of Jesus. But you can't dwell on the hypocrisy of Pharisees and Sadducees. Don't allow that to happen. Instead of dwelling on what the Pharisees and the Sadducees do here in this particular story, focus on what Jesus did for this lady. Look how wonderful that is. I mean, there's grace here. Don't allow the hypocrisy of religious people to keep you from experiencing the grace that Jesus has for you. I mean, it's a beautiful story. And, and, and what Jesus does here with this lady is, is pretty special. When it was time to deal with her, when she walks in, He stands, right? And when He talks to her, she, He stands, and, and I just, I personally, this is just, you know, speculation, but I, I reckon he really focused on her, looked her in the eyes and focused on her. 
I, I believe he felt for her. I believe that he understood her pain and hurt. And, and I believe that, that he just wanted to just restore her. I mean, she had to be embarrassed. She had to be shamed. Shame's a horrible thing. And, and one of the beautiful things about grace is grace whips shame. Grace whips guilt. And, and so I just think he's doing that. And he says, woman, where are they? Do you see it? Now, he saw it. He saw that when these Pharisees and Sadducees walked away, he saw no one was there to condemn him, but he just he wanted her to see it. Where are your condemners? Where are your accusers? Because he, he knew that, that her shame was going to stem from the fact that she was so you know, publicly ridiculed right there. And, and, and so he wants to lift her up, restore her, just help her to embrace the forgiveness. And it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus did. And the crazy thing is that he's still doing the exact same thing to do today. He's doing it. He's restoring people. If people will only hear his voice, if people will only ex just surrender to him and give in to the tug of the Holy Spirit, they can, have, they can have this same experience of grace with Jesus. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. He says, go, and from now on, sin no more. So he addressed where she was, and, and he gave her a challenge. He says, go, go and, and don't sin anymore. We don't know the lady's story. No other writing about her is here but I find it hard to believe that she went back to that life after this experience with Jesus. And so the last lesson, grace changes everything. It just changes everything. And our Lord and Savior has enough grace to meet every issue, every failure, every sin that you struggle with. And that grace says, come to me as you are, and I will change your heart. I will change your life. Come to me as you are, but don't stay that way. That's what Jesus told this lady. Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus stood up. He shared information with her to help her see he wanted her to know that he forgave her and he gave her a challenge. You might be struggling with grace. We want to give you an opportunity today. Uh, Matt and the group's going to come sing a song for us that's a, uh, a good song about this topic, this matter of grace. And I want to just give an invitation to you today. First of all, if you have not received Christ here or at home, watching this down the week, if, if you've not received Christ because of the hypocrisy of somebody at a church, a problem with a preacher, all the preachers that you've ever had have got problems. There's no perfect preacher. If, if, if that's your situation, take your eyes off of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and put your eyes on the experience between Jesus and this lady. 
and give in. Just pray a prayer like this. Lord, I, I recognize that you are Lord. I recognize you died on the cross for me. I confess. And, and Lord, I just, I, I just want you to come into my life to forgive me my sin. And, and I want to become one of your followers, one of your children. And it, it, there's no magic prayer. There's no magic words. It's just you enter in, entering into a relationship with him. And he has enough grace to forgive every sin you've ever committed and to be made right with God as if you've never been wrong with God. It, you've made that decision, but you're having trouble with the grace part and you've been eating yourself out for a long time, beating yourself up. You just are hard on yourself. Man, just understand that it seems to be unreasonable. I understand that. But His grace is amazing. And if you will just surrender to it and just go, I believe God and I surrender to the truth that His grace covers all my sin. It'll just it'll set you free as the song we sang earlier says to us. You might want to come to the altar and kneel right where you're at. But just an opportunity today to leave completely covered and saturated with the amazing grace of Jesus. May His Spirit work in your life. Lord, use us today. Speak to us. Help us to understand how wonderful Your grace is. In Jesus' name, amen.